There's a lot written and spoken about mental health. There is national concern about young people and old people and those in between being badly affected by lockdown, by COVID, by the trauma of the last 18 months. The suggestion is that mental health is on the increase. And we hear lots from government and supposedly concerned sources about the fact that more money, more effort, more knowledge is needed to help deal with this new phenomena. But it's not a new phenomenon. And we have completely and utterly failed to deal with it in the past. So what hope is there for the future? For the past six to seven years, I have looked after, one way or another, a lady who is now in her early 50s, who has mental stress. She is not the easiest person. She suffers a certain amount of paranoia and she is bipolar. She upsets a lot of people. She upsets shopkeepers. She upsets the establishment. She's difficult to keep on an even keel. All the things one would expect from somebody under mental stress. But she's also charming. She dresses well. She looks after herself. She reads, she paints. She's trying to start a business. Now, hopefully, that doesn't identify her to too many people because there is no reason or cause for me to cause her any distress. On the contrary, I'm just using her as an example of how we're quite incapable of handling situations that we say are now becoming a big concern to our community, to our society, and that need attention, and need attention they do. This lady was sectioned and in ordinary parlance, that is, put into what we used to call a mental home, a mental hospital. She was detained in a secure environment way back in 2007, 2008. She lost her child as a result something which is hurting her even today. Her family don't really want to know much about her. They've bowed out. And yet, she's often happy. She sings. She 
place. She often leads a very full life. But once she was let out from the first facility, she was left to her own devices. And I found her in a bed and breakfast, quite by accident, and through the church. She came to live with me for a while and was very good company. She was, if you like, a good housekeeper. She was funny and full of life. But then, because nobody cared, she began to go downhill. And on a complaint, was once again sectioned. I visited her in this place in the city of Eastbourne, the town of Eastbourne on the south coast. And I wouldn't want my best friend or my worst enemy or any member of my family to be in this place. The staff were patently ill-trained. The psychiatrist reminded me of one flew over the cuckoo's nest. And the atmosphere was repressive. It was not joyous in any sense at all. In fact, the nicest bloke I found on the premises was a handyman who happened to see my documentary and joked about the purpose that I go into. It was appalling. She went before a tribunal and the tribunal re released her into my care on the basis that I would have some support from them, that I could provide a roof over her head and that they would provide a dedicated nurse and a social worker to work with her. A very sensible chief psychiatrist and a magistrate came to that conclusion. Everything would have been fine, except the nurse never did show up. She retired almost immediately and the social worker decided he didn't like that sort of work and went off somewhere else. No effort was made to replace. The only thing that happened was that the council, the local council came after her for pay payback of rent, which they'd been paying to somebody all the time she was in the facility. And they were not pleasant about it at all. They harassed her. And when I actually suggested that as I was giving her a roof, I may well like the rent that is paid on her behalf, I went into such a hassle that the pittance that they were offering, which bore no resemblance to rents paid anywhere else in that area, uh, was just not worth the, the, the candle. But I did go to the MP and ask 
if she could actually put some pressure on to help this young lady. It was a great flurry of letters. And then the answer came back is, you're doing a great job, keep it up. In other words, authority had totally abrogated any responsibility whatsoever. It was down to me. Well, she stayed with me for some other time, occasionally disappearing to emergency accommodation in Eastbourne and elsewhere. Not very nice places. And then she actually one day just disappeared and I didn't hear from her for a little while. And then eventually she got back in touch. She'd been wandering from lodging to lodging, trying hard to start the business that was so dear to her heart, trying hard to establish some sort of future relationship with her daughter, trying hard to get the authorities to give her some assistance. I was hospitalized not too long ago and who should turn up at my bedside but this lady, full of concern that I was all right. We had coffee, she was perfectly okay. I phoned two days later and she'd been incarcerated again. Over six years, the establishment had learned nothing. Over six years, they were still dealing with things in the same way. And the most iniquitous thing is that only close relatives are allowed to know anything about her whereabouts or her condition. And since the close relatives don't want to know, there is nobody. But can I? No. Not even as a close friend. Not even the fact that the records show that I've had quite a lot to do with this lady. No, the Data Protection Act says I am not allowed to have any information. The Data Protection Act is a dangerous, dangerous thing. It's a two-edged sword. It may offer some protection to some, but it also prevents help, friendship, support for some people simply because you're not of the same bloodline. So if we've got an epidemic coming of people who are mentally stressed, then I suggest that it's time for the establishment. It's time for those who are supposedly looking after these things to look at themselves and along with a lot of other things, say the word reform. Reform is badly, badly, badly needed. Not only reform in the medical sector, but reform in our entire society. Shops, banks, other outfits where this lady and others with mental illness may well appear, do not have any training for their staff on how to deal with mentally stressed people. They just call security, who call the police, and they go back on the same syndrome again. It is not good enough. We either admit 
we are defeated and give up and leave these people to their own devices, which of course is just nonsense, of course we can't do that. But the alternative is to find out how to treat them and how to get society to deal with them. Because if we don't do that, we're in for a hiding, a real hiding over the next few years as people with mental illness increase because of the 18 months we've been through quite recently. But you know, the funny thing is, politicians, the establishment, industry, they hate the word reform because it means they may not have the cozy existence which they have at the moment. And why should they give that up? <laughs> no, no. Let's not be too hasty and say that they should give it up for the good of the country, or for the good of their constituents, for the good of society. They don't agree with that at all. That would remove the comfort zone, which often these positions and these situations offer to them. Well, until there's reform, don't hold your breath. There'll be more and more words spoken. More and more, we're going to do this and we're going to do that and there'll be more and more money poured out to help these people. And it'll be useless and worthless and have no effect. Hmm. I'm Keith Hayes and I'm disturbed.